We're in a series of sermons entitled Stories of Jesus. So I think it might be a good place to begin to just ask you to put everything else out of your mind, take a breath, relax, and I want you to think about Jesus. Picture Jesus in your mind. Now, it would be interesting to know where everybody pictured Jesus. Do you picture him walking down the dusty roads of Palestine with his disciples with him and great crowds following? Or do you picture him preaching on the hillside on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee? Or did you picture him performing miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead? Or did you picture him struggling with his enemies who wanted to destroy him? How do you picture Jesus? Do you ever picture Jesus as having close personal friends besides his circle of the 12 disciples, having other close friends with whom he liked to hang out? with whom he enjoyed precious moments, eating, laughing, relaxing, even teasing and joking with one another? Well, certainly Jesus was a person who enjoyed close personal friendships just like you and I do. And three of his closest friends were Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. They lived in a little village called Bethany that was two miles east of Jerusalem, just on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus loved to walk out to their home in the evening and spend time with them. He found rest and relaxation there, as well as love and, and personal support from his dear friends. I guess that's why we're told that during the last week of his life, Holy Week, <clears throat> he went to Bethany and spent the night every week, Sunday night, I mean every night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night. And there he found what he needed in terms of closeness and love and support to face the trials that he knew were ahead on Thursday and Friday. Now in our scripture lesson this morning, the story of Jesus we read about is a picture of Jesus visiting in the home of Mary and Martha. Lazarus isn't there at the time. But Martha, we are told, is busy in the kitchen, rattling the pots and pans and putting food in and out of the oven, getting all the plates and the utensils and the, the serving dishes ready for a big dinner. While Mary is just sitting in the living room at the feet of Jesus, enjoying his company. Evidently, that kind of bothered Martha that she was doing all the work while Mary got to enjoy their guest. You know what that feeling's like. You know what it's like when you do all the work of scrubbing and cleaning and cooking and washing and straightening up the house while the others who live in the same house just enjoy the benefits and don't help you out. So you can understand why 
Martha went to Jesus and said, Lord, it's not fair. See, that phrase even existed back before the present generation of kids. But Lord, that's not fair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. Of course, that's only fair, don't you think? But then why didn't Jesus agree with her? He didn't say, Mary, your sister's right. You need to get in the kitchen and help her prepare the meal. No. Instead, Jesus said something different altogether. He said, Martha, Martha, you're so bothered and upset about all these details. There is only one thing that really matters, and Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Now, is that the response you would have expected? Or once again, do we see that the kingdom of God here on earth, just as it is in heaven, is not the normal expectations that we have. In fact, quite often, things are reversed. So what is the meaning and the message of this particular story of Jesus? Some have suggested that the meaning, the message, has to do with right and wrong kinds of hospitality. Here was Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, facing the greatest demands of his life, the most difficult part of his ministry, and he comes to Bethany. Why did he come to Bethany? What did he need when he came to Bethany? What did he want? Did he want some great big meal like Martha was trying to fix in the kitchen? Or did he want and need personal support, someone to listen to him, someone to care for him, to love him, like Mary was doing? Which sister do you think was more sensitive to the real needs of Jesus? Have you ever thought about the fact that there's a right way and a wrong way to entertain guests in your home? When somebody comes to visit you, whether it be relatives during their summer vacation or some old friends that want to come see you, haven't seen them in years, <clears throat> when people come to spend a few days in your home, do you feel like you've got to work hard to line up all the activities to keep them entertained when they're here? Let's go to Opryland on Monday, and then we'll go to Cheekwood on Tuesday, and then the Parthenon on Wednesday, and we'll go to Radnor Lake and the Grand Old Opry on Friday. But do you ever stop to consider what it is that your guests might want? Maybe they might prefer a little peace and quiet and rest and freedom to choose their own activities. Maybe they would prefer not to go anywhere but just be with you and enjoy your company. Of course, it's right and it's Christian that we be hospitable and kind to others. But the truth is that quite often, we offer hospitality our way rather than thinking about what their way might be. We need to be sensitive to each other and to each other's needs and, and never force our way upon anyone else. Other Bible scholars put a little different emphasis and meaning on this story of Jesus. They say it has to do with the fact that there's a time to do certain things, and if you don't take advantage of that time, 
the opportunity may go and never come again. And in this story, Mary and Martha had the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from him. An opportunity that might not come again. It certainly wasn't going to come again as he was going to be put to death in a few days. Mary was taking advantage of the opportunity. And so Jesus said that she had discovered the one thing to be concerned about. But Martha had missed the opportunity because she was too busy in the kitchen focusing on pots and pans and fixing dinner. What are some of the opportunities that come along in your life right now, right now, these days, that you need to take advantage of because they may not come again? For some people, it means using the gifts and talents that you've been given because if you don't use those talents, you're probably going to lose them. It means telling somebody that you love them before it's too late, while they're still here. It means healing a broken relationship or forgiving somebody who has hurt or offended you because tomorrow or next week might be too late. For some of us, it means spending time with our children while they are little because before you know it, they grow up and get big and become teenagers. And of course, all of us, like Mary, it means sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him every time we have the opportunity because who knows what tomorrow will bring. Now there are other lessons, important lessons that we can gather from this story of Jesus for our lives today. And some of them might be just as important, but I believe the main message in this story has something to do with the physical and the spiritual in life, and which to you is more important. Related to this are the issues of worship and service, or faith and works, or the roots and the fruits of the Christian life, which are more important to you. We've already said it's better to sit at Jesus' feet than to be busy fixing a meal, but how else does that apply to our daily lives? Not to mention our eternal lives. Let's take a look at how we live from day to day and ask ourselves that question. Which is more important to you, the physical or the spiritual? How do you spend most of your time, your money, and your energy on eating, shopping, buying, accumulating things, and enjoying physical pleasure? Or do you spend it on praying, worshiping, serving in the church, caring for others, and just enjoying people, people rather than things? When you look at another person, especially when you meet a new person for the first time, are you more interested in the physical or the spiritual? Are you more interested in what kind of clothes they wear or what kind of a car they drive? Or are you more interested in their heart and their soul and whether they're selfish or unselfish, whether they're a positive or a negative person? Needless to say, relationships that are based on the physical are only temporary at best. 
But relationships based on the spiritual can last forever. So even with people, it's clear that the spiritual is far more important than the physical. So how is it that you live your life? Which is more important to you, physical or spiritual? Would you be more likely to be found in the kitchen with Martha or in the living room sitting at the feet of Jesus? Now let's apply that same question, that same test to our life together as the church. Do more of our programs and activities in the church have to do with the physical or the spiritual? And which type of program is more appealing to you? Is it the food and the fellowship that you like best? Or is it the education and the learning? Is it the sports teams the church offers or the preschool program? Or is it Sunday worship, prayer meetings, and opportunities for Bible study? When we look at the operating budget of the church, do we find that more money is spent on buildings and grounds and maintaining the institution or on caring for people and spreading the good news? Of course, it's not an either or choice. It's not like you, you pick one and forget the other. It's both and. And often the physical and the spiritual support one another and are necessary for one another. But it does raise the matter of priorities and which is honestly more important to us. And how does that compare to what Jesus is saying to Martha? Could it even be that the real message of this passage, the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, has to do with salvation and the fact that we are saved by faith and not by works? Does it strike you as curious that this story comes right after the story of the Good Samaritan? Could it be that it's placed here in the gospel to show us that important as they are, good works alone are not the answer. We are saved by faith Faith that leads to good works, for sure, but we are not saved by the good works themselves. One of the dangers that uh, we must always avoid is that we get so caught up in uh, programs of activity and recreation and service that we neglect the feeding and nurture of our souls. Martha was in the kitchen doing what she felt was more important, most important when she should have been in the other room with Mary, with Jesus. Likewise in the church, how often do committed leaders in the church get burned out because they spend more time sitting in meetings than they do in Bible studies? Some of the best advice that I was given when I first began the ministry was that you need to fill your own cup first spiritually before you can pour it out to others in the ministry. In other words, ministers, like everyone else, need to keep in touch with the source of all spiritual strength through daily prayer and meditation and Bible study if they hope to maintain the strength that's needed to live every day the way Jesus calls us to live. Now let me convey this message in another way that's a favorite of mine. 
by using the example of the cross. The cross, the symbol of our faith, is to me a constant reminder of the rhythm that we must keep if we are to live the Christian life uh, the way Jesus calls us to live it. A rhythm that alternates between serving others and sitting at Jesus' feet, between filling our spiritual cups and pouring them out. The vertical bar of the cross reminds me of our relationship with God. And it's a relationship that's kept strong through worship, through prayer, through Bible study, through times of meditation. And this is what we call the roots of our faith. And if a plant doesn't have good roots, or if those roots are damaged or neglected, the plant is not going to survive very long. Then there's the horizontal bar of the cross. Should remind us of our relationships with one another and with all others in this world and the importance of, of love for and service to others. This is what you might call the fruits of our faith. Service to others, being the good Samaritan, caring for the lonely, the poor, the sick, the hungry, the homeless. And there's plenty of opportunity to do that in our world today. And we don't have to go overseas today to do mission work. There's more than enough opportunity right here in our own city, maybe even in our own neighborhoods. Now, without both the bars, you don't have a cross. And without both things that the bars represent, both aspects of our faith, you don't have complete and full Christian discipleship. Jesus even summed it up in what we call the great commandment when they asked him, you know, what, what is most important about all the law and the prophets. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But I want you to notice something. The horizontal bar of the cross is not as long as the vertical bar, which to me says that time spent in our spiritual renewal and strengthening should be greater than the time we spent in serving others. When we neglect the roots of our faith, the fruits are just going to wither and die. If all we do is community service and outreach, and we neglect worship and study and the Lord's Supper, then we will soon lose the reason why we do community service and outreach to begin with. Our Christian service will lose its significance. You know, that's what I feel happened to the church beginning in the 1960s. A lot of us grew up in the 1960s, baby boomers we are. And a lot of others were appalled at what happened in the 1960s. But no matter how you felt about the 60s, there was definitely a great awakening of social conscience in people and in the church. The church in the 60s became very much concerned with what we called social action. So much so that in my observation, it began to neglect the spiritual roots of our faith. And so, for example, and I witnessed this, I was an intern in a large church in the, in the 60s, and I saw children being taught how it's wrong to be a racist. And it is wrong. But they weren't taught why it's wrong to be a racist. 
they weren't given a good, strong biblical theological basis for it. And like I say, when you neglect the roots, the fruits, the flowers are going to wither and die. So the roots, the fruits representing the spiritual and the physical, worship and service, liturgy and diakonia, Mary and Martha. Do you remember what Jesus said during his temptation in the wilderness when the devil came to him and told him to turn the stones into bread so he would have something to eat? What did he say? He said, we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Of course, we can't survive physically without bread and other physical food and drink, but without the words that give meaning to life, why should anyone really desire to live? I think that's a major problem in our world today more than I've ever seen it during my lifetime. That's why we have an opioid crisis. That's why we have so much depression. That's why we have increasing suicide. Worst part is among teenagers. It does no good to teach people and to give people everything to live with if you don't teach them what there is to live for. And that's what's missing in our society today. Nothing, not even service to others, should distract us from the message of Christ, which he called the main thing, the most important thing, because it's that message upon which service, Christian service, loving others is founded. When you keep the message of Christ in focus, all the rest of your life will also be in focus. So if Jesus came to your house today, where would he find you? In the kitchen, preparing the meal, or even in the living room, wanting to hear what he has to say. The truth is that Jesus visits every one of us every day. The question is, where is he more likely to find us? In the physical or in the spiritual? <laughs>